1: Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode number 315. It is a pleasure to have all of you on board listening, uh, wherever you are. Thank you for making us a part of your uh, day. We appreciate it. As always, Mark Allred here alongside myself, Steve Forney, and uh, it's great to have you here. Um, the show, as always, powered by betonline.ag. The promo code is CLNS50. Um, if you uh, uh, use that promo code, we, we appreciate it. I know uh, sports betting, I think, in Massachusetts officially goes live, what, Tuesday? so um, Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, yeah. So, so take advantage of that yeah. if you could. Um, also, don't forget that we have a listener hotline as well, 978-504-2727. Day or night, 24 hours a day, you can give us a call, leave us a voicemail on uh, whatever you got, questions, hot takes. Uh, whatever you'd like, you can uh, reach out to us and we can talk about it right here on the show. Mark, how you been, my friend?
0: Very good, Steve. Very good. Good to have you back uh, talking bees with me. Uh, it's been a a mixed bag of emotions when you talk about this Boston Bruins club, um, especially on this uh, current five game road trip. But we'll get into that later on. Um, it's It's been all right. You know, I'm I'm calm. I know the uh, the fan base is a little rambunctious at this point right now, you know, losing two back-to-back games uh for the first time since April 2022 was the last time that they lost back-to-back games and that's crazy but uh, there's a lot of people freaking out but there's a lot of relaxed folks out there too which is good um because I I just I, I think it's I think it's useless to freak out now I mean if you have a stretch like this towards the end of the season after the trade deadline and you didn't do anything well yeah that's kind of a time to freak out but right now it's I don't believe so, but I'm feeling good. Uh, good week so far. It's, gonna, it's just going to get hectic next week at the uh, the regular forty. But how's everything with you, good sir? Uh, I got no complaints. A uh, little hoarse after the
1: weekend. Thunderbird scored something like I don't know, 13 goals in two games. Uh, so <laughs> i a little a uh, little hoarse, but I'm screaming and yelling. Ten penalties from uh, Belleville last night. So you know, oh, yeah. there go my there goes my voice. But that's all right. We're uh, we're battling through. Uh, upper body always hungry hurry. league
0: steve always yeah. hungry
1: league right um that'll do it. no we're good we're good no complaints uh but you're right it's it's like it seems like it's the first time um since i've been a part of this this show that we have you know we got a little bit of like it's not all sunshine and rainbows uh right we got a little bit of um a little bit of adversity for this team for the first time so um yeah we're definitely going to get into that um Uh, we, I think last week we mentioned the importance of this road trip. Um, I think they say, you know, every night, whoever you're playing is going to give you their best Tampa and Florida and Carolina's best is just better than the Islanders best or the Senators best or whoever, you know, so, um, it's a real test for this team. I think, uh, I think the lightning game was probably the most playoff like game, uh, that I've seen this season. Um, even that Montreal game—that was a fun game. Montreal's in the, in, you know, in the dumpster, but boy, did they put up a hell of a fight. So, um, yeah, we got certainly have some things uh, to talk about this week, Mark.
0: Absolutely. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And uh, also, if you're a Patreon member with us, uh, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just $1 per episode because it's 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 a great thing for us. It helps us uh, pay a little bit of the bills around here, the Black and Gold Sports Media Company, but also has a chance for us to buy these great gifts to give to you for just a buck per episode. This this today, at the end of the podcast, we're giving away this Jerry Cheevers fully authenticated Hand signed jersey and uh Stanley Cup uh, Hall of Fame 1985. Great jersey, right here. We're going to wow. give away later on to a lucky winner. So, um, uh, looking forward to that, but yeah, looking forward to all this uh Boston Bruins hockey talk that we got. You and I worked pretty hard on this, uh, this week's agenda, as we always do, but there's a lot of good topics that I'm really looking forward to getting into with you, bud.
1: Yeah, it's jam packed. Um, and we we start with. Uh, what we saw over the last uh, week, they wrapped up their homestand with a 4-0 win over San Jose. Again, a, a game that you you just – you got to beat the teams that you have to beat. Um, and that was a uh, that was a damn good performance that they put up against San Jose. Um, they headed to Montreal, got a two, uh, 4-2 win. Um, and again another game, like I said, they just – Montreal battled. Uh, they played really well. So, uh, my buddy Sam Montembeau uh, so stood on his head there for a little bit for Montreal. Um I always loved that kid. Had him on my radio show. He was a great kid. Um, even though he plays great picture, golf. by the way, that you shared. Great <laughs> yeah, picture. Just, I, whenever I get the players into my studio, I, I would always take a picture because I don't know, especially in that league, you never know where they end up, you know. And absolutely, Striden Hunt out in Colorado or Jacob McDonald or or Sam Montembo or Bobby Farnham. Loved Bobby Farnham. I'm yeah, like, absolutely, favorite yeah,
0: that guy was a freaking uh buzzsaw, man. Yeah,
1: he was something else and a lot of fun to interview. Yeah, but that picture.
0: That picture was a solid flex though.
1: <laughs> I love it. I appreciate it. it. Yeah. Um but he played well. It's nice to see Sam play well. Um, he's having a nice little little career for himself and he's from Montreal. So um it's always good to see you there. Do you ever have that where where you because you're an NHL guy like me, where there's guys where you uh you kind of secretly root for and then all of a sudden they end up on Montreal or Toronto or the Rangers, these teams that you just like can't stand and you gotta root you oh, yeah. kind of still rooting for them a little bit.
0: Absolutely. And, and mine is definitely uh, like Anton bleed. He was such a just a really, really great guy, strong character, um, you know, good, good with the community. Uh, but just uh, just talking to him, he just gave it to you, you know, as it is, as a player should be very respectful uh, to the media. And, uh, you know, now it's just like it's so hard to root for him when he's out in uh, Colorado bouncing in between the NHL and the AHL. That's why I'm glad our, our affiliate in Springfield
1: is now out of the conference. Because when we were with Florida, you know, Bruins play the Panthers. All of a sudden, I don't know who I'm rooting for. Now it's like <laughs> St. Louis and they stink anyway. So let's go see what Nikita Alexandrov can do for the, you know, for the Blues. But um, that, that's hey, what happens when you love the A.
0: Not to go off topic, but a little NHL talk. I'm trying to plan a freaking road trip, right? So on February 17th, the Providence Bruins play at home. But then they have a road game in Hartford and then they come back on Sunday for a home game to wrap up the weekend. So I was going to go and rent a hotel all all three days down there. But I was also going to go and go to Hartford and see if I can get press credentials to cover a game there. And I find it absolutely crazy that the Amtrak train only runs three times down to Hartford from Providence each day. So... That's just so so stupid, and it's so close together. That's yeah. what it it creates my my mind in a pretzel. And it's like, how are these places so close together? But there's not more opportunities to get there, get to Hartford early, support the community, go have breakfast, go have lunch, grab a beer, you know, and then freaking head up to the freaking press box in the in the in the XL. So I was kind of disappointed that I I wasn't able to like figure out a plan to get there, but. Whatever. I
1: I think again, off topic, but I think that's something that uh, that we really need to address sort of, especially from the political side of things. Like we had one senator out here in Springfield that's been pushing east-west rail. And I know that people in Boston are like, we don't care about connecting a train to Springfield. Well, of course you don't you're not coming out here. You guys don't come out here ever. We right. would like to go out there uh, I would love to hop on a train in Springfield, go to a Bruins game, Red Sox game, whatever it is, and come back. Hell, I'd love to be the PA announcer and not have to uh, just hop on a train, get out there, hop on a train, come back, just sleep a little bit on the train and not be, you know, a like glue in my exactly. eyeballs I'll open it at 1145 at night on a Tuesday. Um, exactly. You're, you're right. Hartford, uh, Providence, Springfield, Worcester, you know, the, they should all yeah, sort right. of be um, a little bit more. We should have more infrastructure to get around from place to place. And again, all these people talk about bike lanes and all this other stuff. Well, let's hook up the train (laughs) and that way we can get rid of of the traffic, you know, but that is bizarre. Three times is just, is just not enough. uh, Yeah. It's
0: it's, just, well, the, the messed up part was they were, it was like in the afternoon, like coming back on Sunday to Providence to cover the, the three o'clock game was you had to leave uh, Hartford at one Oh five and you got to. (laughs) It it, it was just wouldn't make any sense for a three o'clock game. And it's just like why well, I don't understand why you don't have like a, a ten o'clock or a seven o'clock, you know, window. It just it should really open it up for people that want to travel and support communities that are hockey fans or sports fans in general.
1: That doesn't even seem like it would work for the business class people like who leaves work right? at that hour. Yeah, that's bizarre. Um, well, work on that. Everybody call your government local government officials. Tell them Mark <laughs>
0: and Steve's
1: Exactly. Um, um, so after Montreal, this is where things got interesting. Uh, they head to Tampa for a uh a lost three to two on Thursday night. Again, I just it looked as close to a playoff game as I think you'll ever see. Um, and then last night, which again I did not catch most of the game because I wasn't uh working the other game, but um boy, they just they they fall apart there at the end of the third period against Florida. And then it took what seventeen seconds in overtime uh to lose. Um again, I did not see a lot of that game mark, but what, what were some of is did did Swayman fall asleep? Did the defense fall
0: asleep? What what happened there at the end of that game uh against Florida? Oh, oh I don't know. It's I, I think it was a mixed bag of everything. I don't think the that Florida game can be blamed on uh on Jeremy Swayman. I just think that there was a lot of Uh, defensive breakdowns out front, you know, uh, mismanaged, uh, you know, no coverage, which led to opportunities to get pucks into those areas real quick where, where where the Florida Panthers can capitalize and the Bruins weren't just ready for it. So no, I'm not blaming any individual on that. I'm not even blaming Brandon Carlo, who seems to be taking some heat lately, um, particularly in the Tampa Bay game too, um, which was, you know, I thought that was more of a, a very playoff style game, you know, between two Atlantic division teams, uh Eastern Conference foes, um, which are probably gonna be seen uh in the in the playoffs coming up. I, I think the road to the Stanley Cup this year is probably gonna go through Tampa Bay. Um yeah, and hopefully it's not Toronto because I kinda I don't know, I'm kinda on this weird thing like like sooner or later the Maple Leafs are gonna beat us and I don't want it to be this year. So I'd rather have like Toronto and the Tampa Bay Lightning battle it out, Tampa Bay winning. Obviously, Bruins moved to second round. But regardless, we really can't. I, I personally, in my opinion, cannot base any playoff expectations on these two games that just happened. It seems to be uh, a very frustrating narrative for the fan base uh, to go down the first time uh, two games back to back since 2002 uh, since 2022 in April. So it's just, um, I breed a little more patience. I really like how this Boston Bruins team comes back after, uh, adversity, you know, you you know, you're losing against teams that are most likely going to be in the playoffs or scratching to, to, you know, get a playoff spot. So, um, I think we're going to be all right. I think Carolina tonight is probably going to be a a big test. And and I think that it it should be, uh, a wake-up point for the the um, Bruins uh, bench bosses, uh, including Jim Montgomery, headed by Jim Montgomery, to really get these guys going and you know fight through whatever's going on. So would it so would it surprise you if they lost to, against
1: Carolina? Because this the, the overall thing of the Bruins lost three in a row seems to scare people, but in reality, this I think is going to be the hardest game of the stretch. They're right behind us in the, in the Eastern Conference.
0: Would it surprise you if they lost tonight? well given it's a back-to-back game as well and we're on the second half yeah i mean it really wouldn't that we go in a little tired and probably unable to outcome a very offensive structured carolina hurricanes team that's going to come at you in layers when it comes when they talk about offense you know and the the defense is pretty damn good too and uh goaltending i don't know i I really haven't heard much of of what's going on in there and goaltending i think um That Anderson kid is, I don't know if he's injured or not. (laughs) I I remember they had a, 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 is it Pip? Pyotr
1: Kochenko or Kochenkov or something like that. I remember him from last year. And he's pretty good. That guy's pretty good. Yeah, he's playing better. Um, uh, Auntie Ranta is their other goalie. Um, does look like Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson's nine and three on the season. Uh, So there is that. I just, I always, whenever I think of Carolina, I don't know what it is. They just their their back end seems huge, um, and that was before yep. they got Brent Burns. Um, everybody is six three, six four, six five. They're all uh, they're all just redwoods. And um, yeah, Slavin's a great goal, uh, great defenseman. Yeah, Slavin's awesome. Um, so you know, I think I think they're gonna have their hands full. Um, and you know, I don't look at it as like, well, they lost three in a row. What's going on? You know, burn it down to build it back up again they're just they're not playing you know they're just not playing the garbage anymore they're not playing the islanders and the maple leafs and the oh they're not garbage but you know the best that you're going to get from teams like tampa and carolina is just better than it is from a lot of these other teams that they've been playing regularly so you're not like you're not playing san jose and anaheim anymore you know so um, right so i think it's a big test i think it's a, it's a good test but also if they lose again i'm not losing my mind and it's nice that they have all these points stashed up from the beginning of the season they got this nice big comfortable lead for these exact uh, times for when you know you're gonna eventually lose three in a row you might even lose four in a row five in a row might happen but it's not panic time because you do still have all those other points stashed away in the bank so um let's hope they can get it done but if they don't i don't necessarily think it's the end of the world Um, we do have a couple things here we wanted to mention real quick uh as well uh, Boston Bruins equipment manager Matt Falconer reached a uh, thousand game mark. That's awesome. I don't think people realize the importance of the equipment manager, whether it's skate issues, stick issues, um, making the players comfortable with their own equipment, and handle it and who's handling their equipment. Um, you know, some of these guys, I don't want to say they're superstitious, but you know, they they have their way of. Taping their stick, or get lacing their skates, or sharpening this and doing that, and having somebody that's reliable that's always been there, I think goes a long way for the psyche of the player. Um, so, congratulations to uh, Matt Falconer, thousand games—that's
0: pretty awesome. Yeah, it's amazing, and and the story um, uh, on Nesson, and the you know, congratulations—he got a box with his family, which was awesome. Uh, kudos to the Boston Bruins for you know doing that and recognizing the efforts of, of the people behind the scenes. Um, Some of these people are just amazing people. And, you know, a lot of scouts, believe it or not, even in minor hockey and so on, but if you ever want to get character, you want to know somebody, always ask an equipment manager, because those people are the ones that go through more personal times with you on the job than anything else, because they're, they're your lifeline equipment needs sharpening uh skates all that stuff him um matt falconer and uh keith robinson the uh, the uh, head equipment manager have been doing a tremendous job grossly underrated throughout the league uh but some of these players i mean i don't know if falconer does this but there is one video i saw of a equipment assistant equipment manager and every time a player on his team would touch the puck he would automatically go down the line and touch the stick. And if anything happened to that stick, he was ready to get it right out on the ice for an opportunity uh, or and not to lose an opportunity. And that is just like real mental, you know, stuff when you preparedness and so on and being right on top of at a second's notice. And, um, and, and like I said, those, those folks like Matt and, and so many others behind the bench, uh, behind the scenes, just don't get, just don't get enough uh, recognition. So it's good that they get to this point of a thousand games and get recognized by the team. And not only that, the league.
1: Yeah. Oh, and you know, we see it maybe once or twice a year, uh, a guy's stick breaks, flies past the bench. Here comes the equipment manager over the bench with the stick. He gets the stick, goes down gets the pass and scores. And then the bench loses their mind. You know, they're hoisting yeah, him this up says- like he's a king, you know? um that's money on the board baby yeah that's money on the board (laughs) um, you're right and in springfield we had a guy uh ralph Calvinese, who was here for you know i don't know 45 50 years or he was here forever oh yeah and same thing it's that reliability like they always just they want their guy you know um so that's great and yeah the um um the team did a really nice thing for him too which you know we can expect the bruins seem to be hitting a lot of these milestones and i think the front office and the organization is handling it about as well as you would like you know for a fan and as a player so
0: yeah ab- absolute uh, class to ha- to bring in a kid that was in high school in high school and just grinding it away with the team all the time every time to uh getting opportunities like this and you know they get paid they get paid a wage by the organization but it's really not that great but it's really good that these players, the million dollar players at the end of the year. Some of those tips are really nice. I imagine he
1: he does all right in that department for sure. (laughs) Um, So good for him. That's awesome. Um, What else? Linus Olmark fastest goaltender in NHL history to reach uh, 25 wins. Uh, Again, we're talking milestones. I mean, the more that this team just keeps plugging along, the more these milestones they're going to hit. I didn't expect this from Linus Olmark. I thought it was a bad signing when they, I thought the contract was bad when they did it, and I do not agree with that take anymore. I think that was a great move that they <laughs> did to sign him. Um, thoughts on Lena Selmark and hitting 25 game uh, twenty five wins already? Just
0: an, uh, another unbelievable accolade for this this guy that has, has really bought into what everybody's doing on this team. Um, and, and he's just really playing just unbelievable. As a goalie guy, th- these are the kind of things you love to see. Like, I was not a huge Tim Thomas fan, and I'm going to be honest, I still I still am not. I think he was a very smug player, and I thought he treated people a little unfairly. That's just me talking opinion-wise about somebody. But for what he did, the effort in, in 2011 blew my freaking mind. It really did, and I had to give kudos to him. When you see efforts like that, you absolutely have to give uh All accolades to people like that that just do unworldly things to to get to where they were. And that's it, the Stanley Cup. And and obviously I wouldn't have that tattoo if I didn't have, you know, Tim Thomas and that. So but this is the kind of things that you love to see this Boston Bruins goaltender do is we have reliability in the crease again. We have we've had it. It's just it's getting stronger. Lenius Olemac after a full year in Boston, it now seems very comfortable and he's up and running from the Vesna trophy. It's just, this is just an unbelievable accolade itself in a, in a season that is probably going to break records. Hopefully, like we said, if we, (laughs) we do a little bit of a stretch here of losing, it's not that great, but it also, it's also going to do a little bit of damaging to possible, you know, end of year accolades when you're trying to get to a hundred you know 136 points you know and break a record or whatever you want them to do that you want them to get to to break the record i would like or to see care? them do it I, I i mean I'm on the fence on everything basically but you know it's like yeah i would love to see them do that and you know and have that you know up on in a record you know i just i think it would be great because I'm boston and I'm total biased and yeah, I'd love that. But also, it does put you in areas of concern. It's like, are we too good that we're overworking our, our roster and not planning workload management uh, appropriately and, and possibly not do as well in the playoffs? It, you, you have to think about that as well, you know, because everybody's different when it comes to the playoffs and how much you grind and so on. But I think a lot of that could be changed. I, I just think there's is a is a piece or two that we're missing. And it might be the physicality factor that, you know, especially against uh, Tampa Bay, you know, the other night, you saw that they grinded just a little bit harder. Maybe we need, maybe we don't need the Horvats out there. We don't need all these high profile centers and wingers. Maybe we just need the Pat Maroons or, or, somebody else, the, the Blake Coleman's to come in here and just be that pain in the ass in the playoffs. And maybe that's the only thing that they address. Maybe it's not that far away that we have to go out and blow up things with the Horvat. maybe take a couple steps back when you're thinking about your future to get a player like that, but still give up minimal assets before this trade deadline and grab somebody. That's a grinder that, that we've seen teams like, um, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and 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 obviously the Carolina Hurricanes have uh, to get them to uh, places that they've been to in their organization, and that's higher in the standings and obviously a longer postseason run. Would love like a Ryan Reeves to throw on
1: your fourth line, just just to keep things interesting. I mean, but, you know, if that maybe if that's maybe that's what, what it, they wanted AJ Greer to be, but I just don't think he fits that that role uh, not
0: consistently. Right. No, I can agree with that. They wanted somebody that's a little bigger and, and, you know, and he did have a really good year offensively in Utica the year before. Um, you know, but I think that his size, grit, and his offensive capability were very attractive to the Boston Bruins. And, and and at that, that price, I think it was $750,000 for a, one, or a two-year deal. So it was, that was a, I think it was a solid signing, but it's just for that, I believe he was also signed for the fact that, that he was an insurance policy to our younger assets. Like the younger assets have a chance to create a roster spot for yourself, but this guy right here is going to be challenging you for it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: And, and I mean, we talk about, um, as we talk about the physicality, you know, um, and I want to find out from you what you noticed, if anything from Mark, L- Mark McLaughlin uh, played 10 minutes last night uh, against Florida, um, but uh, Trent Frederick goes down. Um, So there's a guy that I think has been dependent on to be physical. At least he has that in his toolbox and uh he goes down. So there's something else that we're going to have to figure out. But before we get there, what are your, do you notice anything
0: last night from Mark McLaughlin's game? Small impacts that he was making. I don't know if it was, I don't know, a bit of nervousness and so on being the first game, but just trying to adjust. Um I, I, I kind of wish that he would get a little more consistency. I just don't think it's going to happen because just the fact is that he was the brought on the road trip as the Mm -hmm. extra forward. And I think that this could be the only game he gets into on this road trip Um, until they come back home against Washington, a long ass time away. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with more time and, you know, more a little more trust from uh, Jim Jim Montgomery. I think that he could really be more of an impactful player. I just don't think that he's going to get get enough time to really showcase that skill. I just think that this was a back to back situation and they wanted to rest Copan. and well, I'm probably saying his his name wrong that that's been changed. <laughs> but I uh,
1: that that yeah. that, annoys, that
0: annoys me because the you know the pronunciation guide
1: always says one thing and you know Copan, and everybody's making fun of Jack. Nope, that is yeah. how it says it in the pronunciation. Exactly. Of um, <laughs> and so it's Coppenin now. I Coppenin, Copenin, Coppenin.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. But you know, now it looks I'm like just rolling. Yeah, I assume Frederick's not going to play tonight, so now we're going to have to see both of them. I assume it's going
0: to be McLaughlin and Coppenin. Uh, I haven't seen any update on Twitter yet about about Frederick. Um, so, um. I don't know. Uh, hopefully it's not, it was more pre- precautionary to take him out last night and maybe just rest up a little bit. Um, but get him taking him out of the lineup. You, you, you minimize that uh, that physicality that he can bring, but also Trent's been really good this year offensively. I think his two way game has really stepped up a lot. I think that Jim Montgomery uh, was one of the, was a person that called him and, um, and Jake DeBras to, to, mm-hmm to be those turnaround players, uh, of, of the year. And, and he was like dead on. I mean, what, what a season for, for, uh, Trent. Um, you know, I think it's just going to be a career year for him if he can get back healthy and, and we have enough games that he can still contribute. So, um, you know, it's not, he is a huge part of the team, but it's not a huge loss because we do have players that can come in and facilitate appropriately. So, um, and maybe that might be, um, uh, Mark McLaughlin, but uh, if you're trying to replace a physical player for a physical player, I don't think Mark McLaughlin is the type of player that fits that mold. I think uh, Mark is more of a, like, keep him in the middle on the on the fourth line and so on, but if you wanted to bring him up any higher to the third line, uh, you could also put him on the wing as well. So I think he played really, really well at the wing when we when we had opportunities to see him in the previous year or two, so... Um, He's just a a good, versatile player that I think just needs a little more games and a little more trust from the coaching staff to stick. But I'm not sure if it's going to be full time this season. I think Mark's got a a full time roster spot after he signs a new deal. Uh, I think he's uh, RFA with uh, arbitration rights this this summer. So if he gets a new deal. I think he could definitely get into, you know, a possible right wing. If uh, Fabian Lysel is not exactly ready. I think he could fit right in for a depotted Craig Smith.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, I, I do think that it's nice that they're loaded, uh, with prospects, but you're right. I think there's maybe a year or two of, of, of uh, bridge gapping to where, you know, you're going to need somebody, you know, you're probably going to lose Craig Smith, I assume. And then, you know, McLaughlin, Liesel, are these guys ready? And I, I think you're right. I think the answer is kind of no. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm pulling up sort of random things, but, you know, the league leaders in hits, you know, ninth in the league in hits is Noel Achari for St. Louis. I mean, why don't, you know, what's that, what would that cost to get him out of a team that's, you know, not going anywhere, you know, and to have that extra, extra body because he's versatile too. He can kill penalties. He can play center. He can play the wing. So when Nosik goes down or Frederick goes down or even a guy like Coyle goes down, you know you do have that versatility on the bottom two lines to where you can move things around if you got to move felino if you got to move a guy like achari around i don't know that's a guy i would i would i'd pick up the phone and ask
0: about it's not a bad idea because he does have relations to the boston bruins he was a member here before uh and and a fan favorite to be honest with you worked his way up from providence college up through the american hockey league with the Providence Bruins, and. You know, um, you know, unfortunately priced himself out because that's what a lot of the fourth line liners do. Like, uh, you know, Sean Corrali. I mean, they just they don't pay three point five, four point five million dollars for for fourth line grinders anymore. That money is more reserved for your your top heavy offensive talent that you need. Obviously, you know, uh, in situations when you need to sign past an act, you know, these are the situations why you don't pay. Uh, huge amounts uh, to fourth liners. Um, well, you, but... you don't want to, but I mean, here's Cra- we had s- sitting here with Craig Smith and Nick Felino,
1: both making a lot of money. But I mean, the overall point, you know, um, is there. You know, I, I think they, they had their head in the right place, but you know, you ask yourself, would you rather be spending the money that you're spending on Craig Smith and Nick Felino, who I know is having a good year, or would it rather be Corralia and Achari, you know, um, right? And and so. You know, no, in this league, no contract, no team has a perfect, uh, you know, cap situation and contract situation. Nobody's perfect. Um, but, you know, I, I, I see the value that all four of those guys bring Smith, Foligno, Achari Corralia. You know, they're all valuable guys. But like you said, it's just, it's. Yep. I don't blame them for going out and getting paid, you know, but it is what it is right now when you look at the, their
0: cap situation. Speaking to St. Louis real quick, just a dovetail yep. on this conversation. Ivan Babashev is one that I'm really, really intrigued by. Um, has ties with Jim Montgomery. Um, and I believe I've heard Jim uh talk very well of him. Good penalty killer. Reminds me of Vladimir Soboka, but just oh, there's a, a name I haven't heard little, in a while. A little more offensive capabilities, in my opinion. Um, or maybe like um, signs of. of I'm talking penalty killing. Signs of like PJ Axelsson type of game back in the day. Um I like I like what I see from him. I've been watching a lot more video on him and uh yeah, I mean that might be an intriguing spot just because of the relations of uh of him and uh and Bruins coach Jim Montgomery. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the price tag would be to for the trade
1: out of St. Louis. Although I'll tell you what, I loved Vladimir's Sobotka. I I thought yeah. he was Fantastic. So I would take that guy uh any day of the week. Um, but yeah, 24 points in 50 games. Um and he's a minus six, which a minus is what it is, but on that t- terrible St. Louis team, that's that's probably a top five plus minus number <laughs> among forwards. So um, so yeah, they got they got some stuff to figure out. Uh let's hope that the Frederick injury is not long term. Um, hopefully we'll see Jake Debrusque back here soon, but you know, if the Frederick thing is a little long term, then the doors cracked open here for Copeland for and McLaughlin to step in and show us what they got. Um, especially, to, uh, you know, the game tonight against Carolina is a huge one. So, um, you know, we'll see. I'm interested to see what the Lions look like uh, heading into this. If Felino if gets bumped up or if they just kind of try to plug the hole with with either of these other two guys. So, um, I don't know. It should be interesting. Um, should be very interesting um nice to see taylor definitely looking for it nice to see taylor hall get off the schneid uh 16 game goalless streak um you know i think it's so important for him to get going i know he's also he can be streaky at times i mean he can get super hot and super cold um but i think the nice thing about him is that he 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 seems to at least this year like play the same game like whether he's hot or he's cold or he's first line or third line he plays taylor hall hockey um which I think is good. I think that's important. you don't want to be squeezing sticks and and sort of taking yourself out of your own game but um, what's what to you is I mean how important is it the, is it for this guy to, to
0: to to really start feeling it down the stretch into the playoffs? Oh it's extremely important to me. Uh, just to stretch that those offensive capabilities the second secondary scoring and so on per se uh, is huge. You want to get all four lines going right about this time. Because the playoffs, believe it or not, days are – I'm getting old. <laughs> days are going so fast. And um, and sooner or later, the playoffs are going to be here, and that's when everything changes. So I think this is the appropriate time for everybody to get on board uh, and play that – just to play that Boston Bruins-style ty- game that got you to this point of 81 points in, in, in 49 games. It's an absolute wagon of a season, and it continues to be, but there's still – things to improve on and i think when you talk about taylor hall you know he's got to get going too but i'm not saying that he's been terrible either even away from the puck you can see that he's really trying hard he's a very hard skater and that guy grinds it up the ice and back and forth especially on the check lately this season more than other any other and i'm not i'm not saying his his history in the nhl because i didn't pay much attention but as he's when he became a Bruin, and then you know, up to this season, I'm just seeing more effort from him, you know, offensively getting it down there, but the hustle getting it back um and, and, and back check appropriately has just been really fun to watch. And and you know, people see that that's the grind, those are the impacts that he can make in, in um on a team every night in and night out. But we know his offensive capabilities can be better, and we know we can shoot like the best of them we just need to see a lot more of that and and just to stretch that the whole thing out i'm not saying he's bad i just think that there's things to uh, continue to be working on well i mean quick story i i always people ask me what the difference is between the
1: ahl and the nhl the biggest difference and i always say it's as they would say in a car commercial how fast you can go from zero to 60 and the nhl guys can get to top speed at about a stride and a half and the the ahl guys maybe takes two or three two or three strides to get where they are but my very first NHL game I announced was in Brooklyn for the uh, Islanders and they played New Jersey. And my, the, my first wow moment was one of those times where Taylor hall was standing perfectly still. And he went from standing perfectly still to a million miles an hour in like a half a stride. And I would just like, I never just, I've never seen that, <laughs> that level of, yeah. I mean, it was like, a, it was like a, it was like a Corvette. It just, he was gone. Um, and, and you're right. He's a, he's a super hard skater. And I, I don't, I don't think he, to be honest, I don't think he, he has, has back checked over his career or taken as much pride in the defensive part of the ice over the course of his career. And I think that this is something new with this team. Again, I think it's when you watch guys like Bergeron do it and you, you know, you watch these other guys do it and eventually it becomes ingrained in you. And I think that's a big part of it, but, um, you know, I I don't think he has a chance. I I don't know if I always had this impression before he got here, he was kind of like a moody guy. You know, he was just moody. just, I don't feel like playing defense today. I don't feel like doing this or that. And the other thing today, I don't feel like playing on this line today. And maybe that was just my unfair perspective, but I don't see any of that from him. Um, since he's, since he's gotten here And, and if that was something, then it looks like it's been fixed probably by the locker room that we have here.
0: Yeah, but exactly the locker room. You just said it and I was going to uh, reword it and say culture. I think the yep. culture changes players like him that might've had that attitude. Like I'm playing on the Arizona coyotes. I really, and I'm making $9 million a year. I really don't give a shit kind of attitude. And I'm not saying he was doing that, um, but you know, when you get here, things need to change. You know, you come into a locker room with Bergeron, Marchand, you know, and, you know, even Zdeno Chara in the room back in the day, those are, those are moments that you you see that, Hey, I'm here for the better, but I'm also here as a family member and we got to work together for a common goal. You know, we're not individual efforts here. We're, we're a team. We do things as a team. We win, we lose, you know, that whole culture, I think changes players, like high caliber players like Taylor Hall, um, that, that do want to win, but also can play a really damn good role in this league as a 31 year old. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's, uh, he's at the age now
1: where the young guys are looking at him and how he operates. And so maybe there's a little bit of that too. Like I, I need to, I need to do it the right way so that the, the younger guys on the roster know how to do it the right way. You know, um, yeah. But I think I, I do. I think this team's got such a nice mix of youth and veterans and experience. Um, that's why I think they're in such a good spot this year. Let um, we take a look here at Craig Smith. Um, I think he's. It's nice to see Craig Smith back at it, playing playing halfway decent hockey. Um, more so than anything, if we are going to trade this guy, I just think it's so important to have him on the ice playing. And showing a little bit of productivity, I think that if they just sit him on the ninth floor every game, there's no way they can move them. Um, but what are the chances a, a guy like Craig Smith can get hot here?
0: Maybe somebody somebody's going to bite on him. This is a good possibility, you know. Um, yeah, scouts do do the due diligence and they go to practice, you know, see how how hard he's working on the ice out there, uh, trying to earn a spot every night. Uh, because I mean, he is earning a spot now, but you know, early in the season or not too long ago, it was just, you know, he was getting spot starts here and there because of his play. Um, but no, this is a great time for him, you know, kudos to the player for overcoming some, uh, some demons, you know, got a good goal the other night, a nice, nice snipe. And, but we just need to see more consistency of him because yes, he's helping the team. That's the first and foremost, but also he's increasing that value to other teams that might want to take a flyer on him. Maybe not for a heavy price, you know? Um, But I don't know. It remains to be seen if he gets actually dealt or not because of that. But, you know, while he's here, he's contributing. He's still a valued member in that locker room by his teammates. Uh, You could just see the pictures and everything of those guys going out that he's, he's the class clown and everything like that. And everybody freaking loves him. But, you know, when it comes down to, you know, we need productivity on the ice and you need to showcase maybe some of your skills for somebody possibly interested. You got to do what you need to do to get to 110%. And, and so far, a couple of games I've been really happy to see. His, his you know, his, his uh, game with the puck and away from the puck has gotten so much better.
1: Yeah, I think he's to the point where, um, you know, usually when we talk about trade partners, we're looking at teams that are out of it. Uh, teams that have no chance. Teams that are looking to dump players, dump salary, dump this, that, or the other. I think he's in a point where other playoff teams can look at him and say, you know, we have a role for that guy. We need a little bit of what he provides. We need somebody with a shoot first mentality and somebody that can dig in the corners and grind it out. And you know, you might find yourself in a in a in a trade position with a with a Minnesota or a Colorado or a Winnipeg or a team that's in the playoff hunt. Um, that just sort of has a, has a hole that needs to be filled. And with that, you might actually be getting, maybe you can find something comparable and not just be dumping him for a fifth round pick or dumping him for a sixth, his fourth round pick. But like you said, you're getting value, whether that is just a fourth liner, like we were talking about earlier in in the show. Um, But I do think we're at the point where, where it's not just going to be a dump anymore. I think we were always talking about dumping his contract. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that there are other teams, you know, uh, Edmonton, uh, Vegas, you know, maybe se- Seattle, maybe some of these teams are looking at him saying, you know what, this guy, this guy, we could use something like that for, for a run here. And maybe they have a defenseman that they want to get rid of, uh, or th- that they feel like they can part with. That would be a value here. So um, I think he's in a good spot. It stinks that Frederick got hurt, but I think you're going to be seeing him now more consistently in the lineup with Frederick out, no sick out DeBrusque's not coming back for a little bit. So, um, I, I, I and, he, and he's streaky too. So let's see if he can keep this rolling and, and we'll see what it looks like in a week from now, a couple months from now, whatever it is. So, um, so we'll see, but it is, I mean, saw so him on the
0: first line a couple nights ago. So that's, that's good for him. That's I know, I knowledge. know. That was, yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the AAV is still the, the, uh, the hardest thing to move in hockey, man. You know, his AAV is 3.1, that remains throughout the season. Um, his, the, his real money is the only thing that changes, you know, cause he's played so many games or he's so far into the season. It's it's basically prorated, but the AV, that's the biggest thing that I think the teams are so afraid of, uh, especially, you know, when they're trying to be competitive and compliant at the same time. Um, we do have a lot, a couple other roster ish things that we wanted to
1: bring up um we do have some stuff that's maybe not so roster-y as well but uh, i figured before we get into that would you like to hear from our friends at uh, betonline.ag
0: i sure would betonline.ag is our uh, show sponsor and uh, we truly appreciate them being with us for so many years but BetOnline.ag remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NHL NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball to UFC and MMA and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline.ag is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the BetOnline.ag website today on your PC or mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive all these fantastic rewards. BetOnline.ag. It's where the game starts. Yeah. Big thank you to those guys. And again,
1: um, uh any help that uh that you can give us uh, if you're on bet online use that promo code that uh, goes a long way for us too so um we appreciate it uh, we did have a scary uh sort of a scary thing going back to october a, a td garden associate tim donovan this is a story you put in here mark um i i wasn't aware of this i went to cardiac arrest during a, a bruins game what are the details of that story
0: Yeah, um, back in October, uh, and it was recognized uh, this week by the Boston Bruins official website and on the Twitter account, attendee of TD Garden um, went into cardiac arrest. And uh, obviously, that's unfortunate to have any health problems like that. Uh, It seems like Tim's all set and he's he's recovered. Um, But the immediate response from the fans and people around him uh, was absolutely tremendous. Um, on time for, with life-saving uh, abilities and, um, you know, kept him going until uh, the um, the professionals, uh, healthcare professionals, EMTs, whatever you want to call them, uh, came in to take over. So uh, last week there was a, a suite that was rented. I'm not sure if it was provided by the Bruins or if it was provided by TD Garden. I think it was TD Garden because he is an employee there, but brought those fans back into the suite with the gentleman that that had the cardiac arrest um, health issue and uh, and kind of like celebrated uh, and and to say thank you um, but this is just important for it's like like a public safety I don't do this often I, I do the uh, you know during the holidays and so on not drink and drive and so on but I do want to promote the importance of CPR in situations like this. You could really help another human being out there that is struggling um, at, at, a, at a you know an emergency moment. So, uh, you know, just learn the way of CPR, and and if you're if you're available to help, don't be don't be shy to lend a helping hand when you're trying to keep uh, keep somebody going. You know, and moments like that where where you know fans were just not trying to go get help. They were there to help. I think is the biggest, biggest impact that I got out of that whole thing. So kudos to everybody. I'm glad Mr. Donovan is doing better uh, with him and his family. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit
1: since we got since COVID started, and I don't know if it's COVID related, but cardiac arrest just keeps keeps to seem to keep popping up in places. Uh, uh, Local people, national people, football players. it's just every cardiac arrest it seems to be happening yep. all the time now and it's scary as hell and yep. um the fact that we like you said it's it's very s- simple in terms of just learning how to properly administer CPR can just be such a game changer for for people when you're in that situation whether you're at a game or in the middle of a Hannaford's so um yep. you know just just having the simple life skill is is huge and you know again when you're a parent they teach you how to how to keep a baby from choking they keep teach you how to keep a baby you know how to administer cpr in an infant and you know we should all kind of have that skill set to use on grown uh, grown adults too because um it's scary and it's it's a weird time we're living in and and um it's a very simple skill that can really go a long way so um yeah, yeah. kudos and, to everyone and- in attendance
0: definitely important that if you do you, you know how to use CPR or you're going through training to use CPR p- please call 911 first before administering any help don't administer help and then call 911 immediately make that phone call and then go to aid
1: yeah definitely well um shout out to everybody involved with that situation that's scary and it's nice to know that um nice to know that people can people can help out in those situations um well, let's lighten it up a, a little bit here after that and uh, and ask whether or not we think that uh, Patrick Maroon is just a big baby. Um, you know, I, I I admit I'm not really the biggest Jack Edwards guy. I I like I, – there's certain things about his broadcast I like. There's certain things that I don't like. I, I think we're – I think he's been here so long that we're at the point where we understand that when the puck starts bouncing towards the goal, he's going to call it a tumbling muffin. And that when a guy so starts annoying. skating really fast, he's going to say, he's got to be under his bonnet. And that when the crowd is chanting, uh, he's going to say, let's go Bruins is the chant from the 16,000 in attendance. Right. He he has these quirks.
0: Uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah. The coin, the coin that's rolling home to you. Oh my God. So annoying. So annoying. I just So this is what I, I think. I think we're, I think he has so many of those
1: that are so predictable that I think it's starting to drive the fan base a little crazy. Um, <laughs> His overall call, I think, is good. I just think he's got those little cork things that, again, it's it's been so long he's been here that they're starting to drive people nuts. Um, oh, it definitely sets him apart from everybody else. <laughs> but I mean, I, this, so I I played, I played the, the the Pat Maroon thing for my, everyone keeps talking about how this is like a high school drama. I played it for my high school students and my high school students were like, what was the problem with those comments? <laughs> so, so, you know, going, whether or not he was fat shaming or not is one thing I happen to think that he wasn't because quite frankly, uh, I've never been to a pregame buffet that I didn't eat my face off to. And, you know, I may, I have a fat face too, just like Phil Kessel. So, you know, th- this is the kind of thing that it goes on all the time, but this story of Jack Edwards going to the locker room to apologize to Pat Maroon and then Pat Maroon just verbally undressing him for 10 minutes. If Pat Maroon had just said, look, uh, I hope you learned a lesson. I hope you know that you know you can't just spout off, but it's water under the bridge. Let's get over it. Have a nice night. It, he would have made himself look so much better. But a 10-minute verbal undressing of Jack Edwards, dude, like, get over yourself. Like, I, I just – I was so annoyed by that. I, I don't know why a guy like Pat Maroon, who, again, I, I think is up on a pedestal. He's, he wins cups. Great locker room guy an asset to anyone's team, why he feels the need that he needs to, you know, stick his
0: nose up at Jack Edwards. Like, dude, get over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, I, 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 didn't like it personally, you know, the attack at first, like when I heard it, I was like, Oh, that's going to, that's going to ruffle some feathers. It would have been, I, I just assumed,
1: I, I assumed Pat Maroon was going to try to fight everybody uh, that he could. And then I just figured that Jack Edwards would not say the name Patrick Maroon at all. He would just refer to him as number fourteen all night, which I thought would have been great. <laughs> he was just like, and you know, here's Stamkos over to number fourteen. Oh man, that would have. Oh, that would have been great. But again, he's you know, give Jack credit. He just sat there, took it, and moved on. And something Pat Maroon didn't do. So I, that was that was a, a story for there for a couple days again. Um, and I, I think that we're we're all getting a little too sensitive. I think that fat shaming is a real thing, and I don't think that was necessarily fat shaming. But um, anyway, um, just a weird, a weird situation there this week. So
0: um, it was.
1: Um, we did hear from Commissioner Gary Bettman, and I gotta, I gotta be honest. I this Bally Sports to me came out of came out of nowhere. I always thought Bally was a, was a fitness gym. I don't know when
0: it <laughs> turned into <a>, uh, <laughs> like Bally's total me too. <laughs> Like, I don't know when they became a network. I remember those commercials back then. Yeah. Bally's
1: total (laughs) fitness.
0: Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like
1: a, like a sports network. I'm like, why do they have like workout instructors? Oh, they're a TV network. So, so Bally sports is, is, is going out as quickly as they
0: came in. Yeah. Yeah. It's so frustrating to hear as, as hockey fans in general, not, not, you know, particularly Boston Bruins fans, but yeah, when we need cap space, this is something that is just coming out of left field because for the past two years, you know we've 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 gotten through the uh, the pandemic kind of sorta and we're regaining funds that we lost in that, and the salary cap is starting to climb from that. But and we're all getting excited because there could be like one year next year it could be just a million dollars, but then the year after that it could go up to four million dollars. Well now. This whole thing puts a wrench in all of that thinking because Valley Sports is, is apparently a bigger player than any of us all thought. Um, and they're in some pretty significant markets. I'm not sure, but I think they're in 12 markets right now. And it does affect the the salary cap, believe it or not. They're doing bankruptcy And Gary Bettman and and, uh, commissioner John Daly say that um, we don't have any hard facts on when or how, or how much will go up or decrease. Hopefully that doesn't do that. Um, But obviously this news is kind of good because we're only I believe 33 days away from the, uh, the NHL trade deadline. But that also figures into factors of you still need to resign past the Are you going to have enough money to do that? You know, if we're not getting an, um, an, an increased bump and so on, those are avenues you have to explore as teams. Like are we, can we, can we physically make this trade without the repercussions of, we might not have any money next season. So a lot of general managers around the league are probably thinking about what, what is going on right now and the league, not knowing a hard number of what, what could be lost in this bankruptcy. Um, But yeah, it's just a, just one out of left field for me. I, I really didn't, I knew Valley was, was an up and comer, but I just didn't think that they were this big that it could put such an impact um, on the, on the salary cap and, and and future funds for the NHL moving forward.
1: Was it, do you think it was a bad, I mean, easy in hindsight, but was it just, was it a bad investment by the league? And I I mean, I don't know if it was an investment, but a, a bad partnership, with the league i mean did they not do they overestimate the sustainability of this valley i mean i I just i don't know why you wouldn't stick to your nbcs and your you know your comcasts and everyone else like it just seems like it's a bad investment
0: i guess it it is true that's a that's a valid thought and I, i don't have an answer for that in the articles that i've read about it or what i listened to about gary bettman um but I just think that I think that there were dollar signs that were seen, and and maybe some of the thought of this this could could potentially happen was just one of those things that will will address it if it does. We just need the money as soon as possible right now. Uh, played a big part in it. Maybe they just didn't do their due diligence and and figure out is this a rep is this a reputable company that's going to be coming into our league and representing us. You know, much like they do with owning a team. When you when you file for, you know, registration of a team and so on, the background checks are, are intense. You know, you have to have the capital. You have to have all this all this money and you have to prove it. You have to prove all your assets and everything to get a, a an eight hundred million dollar freaking NHL team in the in the league. And they do the due diligence by that. So I, I would hope. That they were smart enough to do the due diligence on this and not just see, you know, five hundred million dollars in in uh, in funds that were coming at you, um, you know, it's almost like it was so unpredictable about the oil prices in Canada. The same time that they signed that huge deal with with Rogers Sports, TVG, and 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 um, and I think um, somebody else years ago, and th- and then that killed the freaking salary cap back then because it could have gone up like ten. Uh, Fifteen million, if the if the Canadian dollar was stayed um, at the same, but no, that that took a tank, and and so did the uh, profitability of that long t that five year TV deal. It's strange. I mean,
1: I know it's sort of it's super convoluted, and we certainly don't want to give anybody ice cream headaches talking about uh, money and stuff. But um, I don't know. I don't know why these major company. I mean, the NFL is going to Amazon, and the NHL is going to Bally Total Fitness Sports. So I don't. <laughs> I just I don't know where they're missing here.
0: But but I do want to add that um uh Jeff Marrick and and Elliot Friedman, I know that you, that's your buddy. My boy. <laughs> they both said that this also opens up an opportunity for individual teams to to um gravitate to their own viewing market. And I think that there is uh plans in place that the Boston Bruins and and other teams throughout the NHL would be sole proprietors of their own streaming service, which would also mean that you're not playing in markets around the United States. A lot of Boston Bruins fans are in Canada, out west in in the United States, down south of the United States. We are everywhere. We're like bees that fly around. But the sad thing about it is some people pay for these streaming services that are outside our market, And they don't get to see these games. They're blacked out because they're not in a certain market. But these people are paying for access to view these games, which I think is absolutely wrong. I believe that this will open up an opportunity for everybody worldwide to watch these games without being in a certain market. So I think that's a step forward. This might be something that a trial and error like, hey, yep, we made a bad here, but we need to advance here.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it's good for us, for us in our market, because the Bruins, let's say they wanted to make their own Boston Bruins TV channel. You know, we as, as I can tell from the commercials, we have no shortage of companies in Maine that love to come out and throw TV dollars at commercial revenue. You know, streaming numbers and streaming services are a lot easier to measure than your typical cable channel and your Nielsen ratings and things like that. So streaming stuff is easier to track. So if you if you're the Bruins, that's great. If you are the LA Kings, uh, the Arizona Coyotes, yeah, I just it, it the numbers aren't going to be good, and, and I I don't see a lot of uh, you know a lot of companies knocking down the door to be advertising on the Coyotes broadcast network or whatever it is. And I think that that's where teams could get into some serious financial trouble, or you're just going to see games with no broadcasters or broadcasters getting fired on a regular basis or, you know, get layoffs and things like that. So yep. I, I do like the, the concept of it. It fits for a lot of markets. I just, I don't know if that's sustainable for all of them. Um, there's nothing worse than, I mean, broadcasting already is so cutthroat. It's just such a, yeah, such a dirty, scary business. Uh, don't tell my students who I'm teaching broadcasting to but but it is a dirty <laughs> scary business um and so i it's hate like to, sports
0: journalism yeah cut just,
1: business same thing you know so um well, that's interesting I wonder what the time frame of that would be um I wonder if that if they go that way how long maybe a, a season or two would take to get that off the ground but then and then what's yeah. it gonna do for for a station like Nesson? you know which i i I pick on a lot and from what I hear it's not exactly the best place to work but Um, what a resource it is, you know, just, I mean, over the, as, even as a kid watching Nesson sports desk, you know, or, um, you know, young broadcasters and, and fans, I just, I think it's such a nice resource to have, you know, in this market, not every, not every region has a, has a Nesson, you know? So, um, I think it's kind of rare. It's it's, a rare thing to have.
0: It's sad that so many people reach out to me. It's like, Hey, I got the 360 and everything, but I can't watch the games. It's like why are you offering it? It's it doesn't make any sense, but you know, you have to be in those certain markets, which is dumb yeah. in my yeah. opinion. And that's in plus if, you know, if, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, even if the Boston Bruins wanted to do their own streaming service and it and it costs you five dollars a month, you know, just an app that costs you five bucks. People would buy it, but you have to you have to provide the program for them. At no, you know, I don't care if you're in this part of the this part of the country or well, the next part of the country you're you're able to watch that game and i think yeah. that that will just grow the fandom in 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 uh, north america at least and yeah. and not only that you get numbers worldwide because bruins fans we, bruins fans listen to the, this podcast in australia, england, russia, poland, you know. If you can get those numbers too, you're profitable. <laughs> It's just it, well, it, I mean, it, it amazes me. You think, think, the, the think
1: Unakopanen's Una family out in in Sweden doesn't want to, or, or you know, Finland or whatever doesn't want to watch their kid play? I mean, sign them up exactly. For nothing, you know, exactly. So it, makes sense. Uh, it does make sense. Absolutely, weird. does. Wow. Well, for everyone that uh, who hasn't gone cross-eyed after listening to us talk about business and broadcasting, <laughs> uh, thank you for staying with us. We appreciate it. Hey, it's um, all related. <laughs> it is. Um, I, you mentioned earlier, Brandon Carlo took a lot of, a lot of heat lately. Um, And I think, I think the fan base is getting a little antsy on a couple different fronts. One being, what are they going to do with the trade deadline? Two being, when are you going to sign Pasternak? And I think that antsiness um, is, is starting to turn into hot takes about a guy like Brandon Carlo. And, you know, I, I, I'm still sort of on the fence about Carlo. I, 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 feel like he has more to offer than what he gives on a nightly basis. I don't know if it's just his personality or what um, I always it's always just guys that are 6263 and don't play physical to me just kind of blows my mind. Um but do you think it's fair the the sort of criticism that that Carlo is taking and do you think he's something that the Bruins need
0: to look at either, either at the trade deadline or in the offseason? Everybody makes mistakes. Not nobody's perfect. Um, but I do understand where fans can gravitate some of their frustrations when it comes to Brandon Carlo, but also I give him the benefit of the doubt, the player as he's having a a better season, in my opinion, Um, these past two games, not great. And hopefully it doesn't trend the wrong way, but it also triggers ideas of, of moving him and so on. Um, I mean, it, it, if you look at cat friendly or puckpedia, which we use very often here at the black and hockey.com website, um, you'll see that he doesn't have any trade protection. So that's an easy like target. So, like, okay, well, we can move him without asking, uh, get it done. Um, but I also think that a player like him, who who I believe is is getting a lot more physical than I've seen in the past. Um, I believe getting rid of him at this point would be kind of tough because who are you going to replace him with? You uh, know, you know, you're going to want to rely on Jacob's um, you know, call up from, from Providence, Jack O'Shaughn who's, who's seen some time and playing well down in Providence. But, you know, then you're going to hit the narrative of don't bring the guy up. He's not big and he's not playoff ready, you know? So I, I just don't think that anybody's going to be happy with any of these moves but particularly it just seems like brandy carlos is a whipping boy for the boston bruins when it comes to this fan base a lot that um they gave to karask you know i think that somehow the the, the focus has shifted to brandy carlo where he's he's just getting a lot of it you know and um you know and and it, it, jeremy Swayman's also getting some heat as well and i think that he's been playing really good and in, in, you know, last night's game was or the game before that was not, not very good, but it was also wasn't his fault. But I mean, fans are freaking pointing fingers all over the place to nitpick, um you know, bad times in a season that could be record breaking.
1: Well, that, I think that's what it is. I think that things are going so if, if your team is playing so well that you're nitpicking Brandon Carlo and Jeremy Swayman, then you're in a pretty good spot. Right. I mean, yeah. you're you're. If if your two biggest concerns are Carlo and Swayman, then you don't have any concerns. I mean, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of like you. Um, for, first of all, if you don't like Carlo because you don't think he's physical enough, um, the other options are Jakob Zaboro, Mike Riley, or Jack Ashan. Neither one of those three. Uh Jack is <laughs> probably the most physical and he's five eight, five nine. I mean, he's tiny. Yeah. So um you're not you're not but he can bring like it. It's not like you're swapping him out for you know Adam McQuaid. So right. um, I, I'm, I'm sort of like you, I think that at this point they need Carlo strictly from a numbers perspective. And I'm, you know, if I have a concern, it's that we don't, the, the Bruins don't have enough uh, resources behind two guys in particular, Grizzlik and Carlo, because those two guys always seem to get hurt later on in the year. And, you know, whether it's the playoffs or it's just late in the season, you know, now we're talking to the, You're what you're going to give Connor Clifton twenty five nights, twenty five minutes a night. You know, you're going to move bump up Derek Forbort, You know, so I think they're. I think where they need help, in particularly at the trade deadline, is the seventh D, the sixth D, the seventh D, the eighth D, because um, I I don't want to be in a position where where Jacob Zaboral is being thrown in in Game Three of the of the Stanley Cup playoffs and asked to to play big minutes. I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but when when um uh, Charlie McAvoy went down the other day in what looked like a terrible collision, I thought I uh, started doing the math. All right, well, Lynn Holmes stays and then okay, well I think then then Grizzly's going to have to go up, which means Clifton's going to have to go, you know, now now you're now we're shifting the whole thing yep, upshift. And 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 just that thought alone, I'm like, well, this team's dead. They don't have enough depth on D. Like this is this is terrible. And you know, losing McAvoy is obviously more important than if you lost Carlo, but it's the same rules apply. You don't want to be heading into the playoffs with, with your seventh and eighth D as is currently constituted. And I think that it it's, it's going to be, um, that's why you brought up Luke Shen. I think that's a great, a great idea. Um, you know, but I, I think they had this issue last year. And I, I always loved a guy like Jake Middleton, who I think went to where Minnesota. Um, yep. Boy, but yep. you want mean, you want tough, you want young, you want cheap. Uh, the guy checked all the boxes, and I thought he would have been perfect to slide into that spot. And, and again, I just I can't believe we've gone this far into his career. We still don't really know what we're getting from Jacob of Orl. I mean, it's it's been a yeah. while now. Like, it's time to figure out what what he is and what he isn't. Um, but I, I, I'm starting to get a little concerned about the depth on the back end
0: yeah I and mean, you're absolutely right. it's like and that's what a lot of fans have gravitated their narratives to as well when it comes down to the trade deadline is we need to get a little bit nasty in the back. you know you they need to they need to go out and find that option that Jim Montgomery can match. you know so in a first in a first round series, uh the first game, you know, he doesn't go out with a player like Luke Shen but this and and you know they lose three to two in overtime the next game that you could put that player in there and and figure out where where your deficiencies are in that first game was it because you were grinding on harder than or the the opponent was grinding harder than you you could put those players in there accordingly and um and i think that he would be a great fit and his his AAV is under a million dollars. I think that they can they could work with that right now and not have any worry about you know passing that console on because that, that's an extension. That doesn't happen until next season. We're talking about this year. I just think that it, it it's a good move. If you look at how physical this guy is and he could drop the gloves, he can get big hits. I mean, hits that are borderline, like suspendable. And I'm not saying I'm 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 for um, a player crushing another opponent in, into injury and so on, but you see those types of hits during the playoff c- series, and that's the type of player you want to look for. Um, is an intimidation factor. Obviously, he's a he's a big dude, and he's going to come at you hard. I mean, he, that guy doesn't give much ice out there on a regular basis, and I think that you know, uh, with that current decor right now, I think we're okay. But also, I like the way that if he was involved in, into the twenty-three man roster, that Jim Montgomery and, and John Gruden can like, um, you know, pick the spots where they need to put him and, and and be effective at it, whether it be home or away. Yeah, and sometimes it's even just
1: after the whistle, and and you know, somebody grabs Mar, somebody grabs Marshawn or Bergeron, and or, or somebody lays a hit on on your top skill. And yeah, and there's no there's no real face wash. There's nobody going into them and you know giving them a little a little shot in the back or you know sometimes that's how teams impose their will on other teams is is by sort of going at the stars and getting a little more physical with the stars. And if they don't have that kind of protection, which again doesn't necessarily mean dropping the gloves and and curb stomping somebody, but sometimes it's just simply grabbing them and say, look, you don't touch that player, and if you do, I'm gonna pound your face in. And that just sometimes that threat alone is enough to um, to sort of ease that that will that the other team is trying to impose on you. And so, so, so you know, big hits are great. Fighting is great, too. But just somebody that can stand in front of the crease and say, don't you dare think about touching my goalie. Don't you dare yeah. think about, you know, going after my stars. Sometimes that's really all you need. And right now I don't, you know, as much as I love McAvoy, uh, Lindholm does it a little bit uh Clifton I think does it but he's so he just doesn't have the body for it he's just so small and wiry and I don't think people take him <laughs>
0: seriously um yeah exactly
1: but I think a guy like yeah you get somebody like Shen you get somebody like that Middleton guy somebody who's just big and scary and mean looking and not afraid to smash you around I think they try to do that with Josh Brown like that's more Josh Brown's yeah. game than than anything um the problem is he's just such a liability on the ice. He, he can't really work with yeah. it. So um, no kidding. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens here at the trade deadline. I'm I'm um yeah I'm I'm more apt to go to go on the back end of things than uh, than the forwards. Um so let's see here. Boy we are uh, we're sort of pounding through stuff here. Um oh I guess one other thing on that topic. Um can we talk real quick about Mike Riley? Because I we talk about how Mon- Jim Montgomery likes to play this new style where there's a little bit more defensive freedom defensemen can go up in the play they can get more involved offensively it it just sort of surprises me that Mike Riley hasn't worked out to this point i don't know if he's like maybe even gotten enough of a shot to prove himself but his game seems to me to fit perfectly into what Montgomery's trying to do um what do you think especially with the money and you know you put him on waivers nobody wants him if nobody wants this guy at what point do they bring him back and try to get him in the lineup and, and see if he can
0: make an impact. I don't know. I think that, I think his AAV is another thing that, that is, is, um is hard for uh, a guy like Evan gold, the capologist for the Boston Bruins to, to fit in and so on. I, I think Mike Riley could play. I think he's an NHL player, but to have things work out the way they're working out right now, he was obviously the odd man out. He's playing on a third pairing down in Providence right now, and has pretty much stayed there throughout the year. I'm, I'm not saying that him being demoted to the third is being, is because of, you know, attitude or anything like that, or playing style. I just think that they want to give uh, op- bigger opportunities to some of their prospects and guys that they're, you know, going to have for a, a couple more years to come and so on. Um, I, d- I don't know what the trademark is for him. And to be honest, and you know, I do see a good transitional defenseman in him at the NHL level, but consistency is uh, are the biggest problem for me. Um, his penalties and so on. And, you know, I know Trent Frederick can be a guy that, that, you know, gets stupid penalties, but this is the same guy as well. That does it on the defensive side. Um, I really don't know if he can be moved to, to be honest with you. And and if it even if, if it hasn't been done now for a seventh round pick, it just tells me that other teams just don't want to invest into what that AAV is because he's at $3 million. And I think the abatement that that's probably a bad word Um that the league gives you, I think it's a million dollars on his contract. So basically he's getting paid $2 million to play in the AHL, which is still capable at the NHL level. You know, you know, these guys yeah. like it, so many people think that they go down to Providence and their cap hits gone. It doesn't, it stays because they're, they're a certain age, they're a certain UFA level and so on where, you know, you're getting paid NHL money to play down there, but the league does take back a, a certain amount, a certain percentage of the contract. It's interesting. Yeah, I,
1: I, uh, yeah, I just, I'm I surprised it hasn't worked. And from what I've seen from a guy like Zaboral, um, but I mean, again, yeah, it's always about the money. That's why I like you, Mark, because you, you always get your eye on the money and, so people just think it's like uh it's like firing up EA Sports and just making trades
0: and call ups <laughs> on the Xbox and it's just it, it doesn't really work that way unfortunately. Uh um, That's why I call myself a fence guy because I I kind of like look at both scenarios. I see the I see the uh, you know asset in a player currently on this team or in the organization, but I also see market value and where where a player could, you know, fit in elsewhere or here. Right. No, it's good. It's a good way to look at it.
1: Um, I do know that we have two calls on our listener hotline. Uh, and again, folks, you can give us a call anytime, day or night, uh, 978-504-2727. Um, if you have a comment about the show, you got a, you want a comment about the Bruins. You have questions for us, hot takes, anything you got, we're happy to take them and we can play them right here back, uh, on the podcast. We could talk about what you want to talk about. Uh, but we do have two calls, uh, lined up, Mark. I don't know if you want to, uh, fire those off and see what the people
0: say absolutely and always ladies first this is gail from new hampshire and gail works for us at the uh, black and gold production sports media company uh currently out i uh, don't know exactly where but i know she's covering uh she's been covering the uh bruins alumni games yesterday and today so hanging out with hanging out, out with the Dan chara that's what she's doing hanging out with big z and all those uh bruins alumni all over the place uh but we thank her for her uh, her contributions at the company and um, and obviously these weekly calls she's been a she's been our like Maria of Water um, here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast so we love it but here's Gail. Hey guys, it's Gail from B and G Productions. Um, my question for you this week is: How do you think the irrational Bruins fans uh, can get out of their own way when they're trying to blame everything on the last two games on Brandon Carlo? And how people are starting to panic just because they've only had, just now, the first of this season, two losses in a row. I look forward to your answers. Have a great day, guys. Yeah, it's a great question. And we, we touched on it earlier. It uh, it's it, We don't live in a perfect world, like I said before. Everybody's going to make mistakes. But what I do like about it is is how the, t- the team surrounds a player like that, still part of the family and so on. And there's much respect, much, much respect in that room for a player like Brandon Carlo. So I guarantee nobody in that room is saying it's his fault. We need to get rid of him and so on. When you are the league with the team rep for, you know, the league and so on, uh, when you talk about uh, uh, he's a representative. Oh, I can't say that word. He's the Boston Bruins team rep for the union. That's what I meant to say. So when you have that role, you're highly regarded in that room. So I don't think there's any freak out per team, uh, coaching staff and so on when it comes to Brandon Carlo. But yeah, I mean I could definitely see the two games could trigger some some pandemonium about about how he shouldn't be on the ice and how he should be traded. But I also see a lot of a lot more of his impacts this season than his mistakes, which continue to make him an asset on this team moving forward. So just got to remain, just got to stay healthy, you know? And that might be something that people gravitate to is like, he's, he's soft, he's glass. He's Al Gill on, on sketch. Just, I, I don't pay attention to the narratives like that, but I just want to, you know, winning is a winning is, uh, is everything that I'm about. And if you do it as a team, even better.
1: Yeah. I, I think in terms of the fan reaction, I think, uh, with all due respect, I think it's in our nature up here. It's the, the weather in the winter, the weather's too cold in the summer. The su- the weather's too hot. We just, we're always complaining. Uh, we are a complaining part of the world. That's why so many good comedians come out of the Northeast is because half of the best comedy is just people complaining about the world. And that's what we do yeah. up here. So, you know, I think that, you know, going back to pre two thousands and this, this was the city of losers. Um, and so I think that, that, that's still ingrained in us. We're going to find something to complain about when you're as hot as the Bruins are, when you are playing as well as the Bruins are, you will f- still find something to complain about. And like I said earlier, if if Brandon Carlo and Jeremy Swayman are the two biggest issues, then you don't have any issues. You're, you're fine. So I think that uh, especially here in the Twitter world we're living in, uh, people are going to complain about They'll find something to complain about. Um, except Celtics fans, Celtics fans are just always like, we.
0: Everything's great. The puppets
1: are awesome. Yay. Uh Bruins fans aren't really built like that. Uh, they always want to find something to complain about. And that's not, don't take that the wrong way. I'm sure somebody will complain about that now. But um, that's just sort of in our in our nature. And and unfortunately, like you said, it was Tuca rask for however long. They don't have Tuca to throw stones oh, yeah. at anymore. So maybe now exactly. Carlo and and, and Swayman are the guys to throw stones at. And um, like you said, I'm sure it's not
0: affecting the locker room at all absolutely thanks for the call gail as always i truly appreciate it this is uh duncan from hartford connecticut and duncan please get on board with me and contacting your legislation and getting more (laughs) getting more train rides from providence to hartford i need to travel more i need to do more road games so uh this is duncan from hartford thanks for the call duncan
1: hey bng boys duncan from hartford um,
0: I noticed that the Bruins have called up Mark McLaughlin for this upcoming road trip, and obviously, you, Jonah Kopanen's been playing a little bit.
1: Um, I'm curious to hear what you all think on why they have kind of abandoned Jacob Lauko. Um, he played pretty well at the start of the season. I didn't think he played his way out of the lineup, but they seem to be giving these other guys a chance. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: Thanks. Great question. Um... Jacob Lauko is, is a good young player. Um, and I think that a lot of Bruins fans got excited about him, uh, during the, um, the preseason and, and, um, you know, and he got some NHL games, uh, to start the year. Um, you know, and he did earn it throughout the preseason, but I think one of the reasons why he got into the lineup was for the Sally cap reason, um, you know, Nick Felino and some others got waved uh, and everybody thought they were going down to Providence. So Evan Gold and Don Sweeney did their magic and brought a guy like Jacob Saborle up. I mean, uh, Jacob Lauco yep. up to the NHL uh, because it was a it was it was cat massaging. And um, whether he earned it or not, it, that was how he got into the lineup. And and obviously he got went back down to Providence and he's been he's been good. And then there's sometimes where, where uh, in my opinion, not so good. But it's not a lack of trying. Uh, I think he's still putting in the effort and so on. Um, I, it's so hard to like judge, you know, if and when he's going to get another opportunity here. I think he might get some more thank you games towards the end of the year if they want to rest him. But I'm not sure with this current lineup and the way this Boston Bruins team is a wagon this year regardless of the last two games uh in Florida I I just don't see him working as hard down in Providence as somebody on this current roster that he could knock off and and, and seamlessly fit right in and, and create great chemistry um until then I don't know but uh, there might be a he might I don't know there's a little bit of a like disgruntled like words going around uh the Providence area uh saying that he might might ask for a trade. I'm just uh, that's not confirmed, but it's just also something that I've heard, and I'm not going to say the source at all. But there's well, um, the bat. It's the bat funny. phone. It, Mark's bat phone is at it added is, again. It is. It is a pretty solid source. I will give you that, and you know him. But um, I just I kind of have a feeling that he might be Jacob. or oh, uh, Jacob. Lauko might be looking at the landscape of this current Boston Bruins organization and probably realizing he doesn't have a great fit here for the future and might want an opportunity elsewhere to to work in a, another NHL organization where he can maybe start off in the AHL and climb as high to the NHL so I think the path to the NHL might be better for him elsewhere and I hate saying that because he's a he's a great kid he's a hard worker and so on but you know, you just got to put two and two together when you think about mid-level prospects like this that are are knocking on the door but for some unknown reason not getting any chances I mean I feel like we had this we were having the same conversation
1: last year about Anton Bleed who I think had the same kind of frustrations and I think that's part of the reason why he didn't sign back here was because he wanted that fresh start and a new opportunity and a new team and and everything else and this seems uh, based on what you're saying Mark seems like it's kind of the same idea that again looking at the landscape looking at you know being a third round pick and just looking around and saying that I you know I don't think this is going to be the best spot for me um that wouldn't surprise me at all um uh, you know and again you you know the the probably sort of uh, pipeline better than I do that just seems like it's 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 the way is maybe it's just not really working out the way he wants it to here not that he stinks or isn't playing well it's just it's not the situation that he's looking for um and you know the only other thing I'll add to that is we've seen in the past and particularly this year call-ups that mates might seem a little bizarre, um, but they're more based on need. So I think it was, was it Dan Renuff got called up to replace Forbert, I think. And I think people were like, Dan, Dan Renuff, like why isn't it a Sean or why isn't it, you know, any of these other guys? And it's because, you you know, they needed somebody that plays the same kind of style as the The player out of the lineup. Right. So, I think that you know if you're looking to fill a spot for for Trent Frederick, maybe your guy's McLaughlin. If you're looking to fill Tomash Nosik on the third on the fourth line, maybe it's just a role thing. It's just you know Copenhagen fills that role better than a guy like Lauko does. So yep. you know that could be a part of it too. Is just trying to find the right fit with the right personnel based on whatever
0: hole it is that you're trying to plug. So, um, but yeah, we um, and we talked we talked about it with the Koponen recall and said that there was, yeah, he's not lighting up the AHL like other t- other players like Vinny Letary or Fabian Lysell or so on or another center, Georgie Mikulov, who's playing well. Koponen just brings that bigger body, the penalty-killing style. He's good away from the puck. Those younger players down in Providence that are still developing have the offensive skills, but they don't have a good two-way game. Like opening might have, it's just those little things that those little impacts that will get you opportunities like this. And, and I think personally, I'm going to pump the shit out of this guy's tires. I think what Copeland has been doing in the NHL this this season so far in this short cup of coffee since he's been recalled has been playing very well. Solid in the face uh, circle, you know, uh, going five or seven, nine and ten and so on. Those are great numbers that you want to see. But he's also good in the dirty areas and so on, and away from the puck. That that coaches like Jim Montgomery and and Joe Sacco and 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 um, they want to see, you know, and I think this is a good opportunity for him. and And he's also he's also the Bruins' management are looking at him for to resign and bring back. So he's he's auditioning for more time in the organization, and with departures of of possibly Thomas Nosek next season. Because he might price himself out, and you know, very injured all the time, and so on, that might be a seamless, low-risk, high-reward salary cap move to get Kopan and to be your fourth-line center moving forward.
1: Interesting, good stuff. I didn't realize he was six-five. I know he's a big dude, but
0: oh, six, he's five, huge, man!
1: Yeah, he's a big fella, big fella out there in the on uh, the center
0: dot, especially killing penalties and doing that kind of thing. So, um, I'm five-eight, and I gotta. I'm five eight, and I gotta hold my because this is what I I bring to Providence or when I go to uh, the NHL uh, Boston Bruins. This is my recorder, my voice recorder, and like I'm holding it up to him like this. <laughs> you know, I'm five eight. Come on, I was a goaltender.
1: So you're like Vinny Laterry?
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, I play like Vinny Laterry. I'm a freaking rough right winger. <laughs> No, he's a sentiment, um, and he's—I mean, talk about Vinny Latari, another guy that's grossly considered to get some thank you games this year. Leading Providence in points, goals. He's got not, he's got sixteen goals and nine of them a power play. He's just a he's just a specialist down there. And I, I've said it before on this podcast. He's been working very well with Georgi Mikulov and Fabian Lysel. Speaking of Fabian Lysel, uh, last weekend Lysel did play in the two games versus uh, the Hartford Wolfpack but did not play the full 60. He was going through a sickness last weekend and that sickness or a slight injury has uh, prompted him not to be in the lineup at all this weekend. So if he's sick, sick uh, with a, with a legit sickness, it's, it's, it's gotta be pretty bad if it's gone this far and you're in a pro environment with, with doctors and so on. Yeah. Um, yeah, to miss all three games this year and not participate in full 60 last week, it's not a good sign. Hopefully he feels better and you know is in, involved in the next weekend's games, but uh, and hopefully it's not an injury that we don't hear about because Yeah. Um I I do have some inside information once in a while. I'm not an insider. I'm not in the trenches this and that, but shit gets thrown across my desk all the time. Getting information out of the American Hockey League is not as easy as getting it from the Boston Bruins. So uh, injury stuff and like time on ice is like they they don't record and show, which is ridiculous. I think they should they should record that stuff. It's like yeah. who's getting rewarded with the most ice time? Right. We, we can see your lineup all the time and judge that. Hey, that's one thing, but how much time are you actually giving this person to play? Yeah, well,
1: we'll have to keep an eye on it. Maybe it's just be you know, one of those sicknesses where everything comes out of you, and then it takes a couple of days to get all your fluids and all your, exactly. you,
0: know, get, you know get your your body exactly. right again. So let's hope it's just something it's that's like it. Something like that. Everybody goes to Mexico and has one bad experience and that's, <laughs> that's pretty right. much the food. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's funny. So uh, let's see, looking ahead,
1: obviously Carolina, uh, five o'clock today, another early bird special for all the seniors out there uh, that have uh, retired down there in the Carolinas. You can go there and get a free fish sandwich. I think it's your five o'clock start. Uh, again, going up against uh, NFL playoff football, not a smart move there by the uh, by the NHL, but they don't really look at those things. Uh, Wednesday, they wrap up the road trip at Toronto, a seven 30 game. Uh, and then they're off for 10 days. So that is, uh, I believe is the all-star break. So, um, that is, the, yeah, that is the All Star break. So, um, yeah. you know, we'll see, we'll see what 10 days off does to people. Well, again, uh, Pat Posinok and Linus Olmark don't do anything dumb. I don't want you flying around, getting hit with pucks. Just go there, wave to the crowd, high five Connor McDavid and get the hell out of there. I don't want any injuries, Um, but we'll see how they, how they look after a 10 day break and we'll be back at it to do it all over again.
0: Yeah. It's going to be exciting tonight, Carolina. Hopefully the Boston Bruins changing around Boston, Toronto is always a good game. That seems to be like the new rivalry that's on Wednesday night at seven 30, February 1st, February is, I mean, Look at that. I mean, just in a couple of days, it will be one month away from the NHL trade deadline when things are definitely going to be picking up uh, league wide, not just in Boston. Um, I, I hope, I really hope that we find a way to get David back extended and I'm going to go out on a limb now. And I know I said this on, on one of the um, uh, live streams that we did on, on Twitter spaces, which by the way, we're going to be starting to do every Wednesday. Uh, at six o'clock, right around that area, we got one coming up against uh, before the Toronto Maple Leafs game. So, Steve, if you're around, you could join us on that. It's a fun little discussion that we have with uh, Open Forum, basically. Cool. So, yeah, uh, we, we got uh, our boy Cody, pretty much teaching me how to do all the all the spaces. But yeah, it should be a good game. I like the I like the battles between um, you know Boston and Carol, uh, Toronto. Original six always get get up for that. I'm just not a fan of the break coming up. I'm really not happy about it, um, and I think that the league should should obviously they should do the uh, All Star Weekend. It is kind of a money maker and so on. It's good for the kids and blah blah blah. But this like bye week or whatever you want to call it, this whole like week off should be like done better when it comes to scheduling. Like let's let's put this in the in the in the time frame of the holidays where players can go home, relax, and 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 have an extended stay. Uh, From Christmas to the new year with their families and then come back to work. You know, it's shit like this that bothers me that we have so many back to back freaking games this year when you you could relieve that by not having these outrageous freaking 10 day breaks, uh, Yeah, 10 day breaks. It's like it's it's maddening. And I'm speaking as a Boston Bruins fan that needs my hockey pretty much every freaking day. You know, (laughs) I, I can get away with the schedule going every other day, but still. 10 days is just a hard thing to do but during that time frame we will be doing a lot of things to keep the time uh you know flowing faster we will have some opportunities for uh, twitter spaces to come up and interact with the fans and and you know take questions and so on so all good content coming out of bng for the next uh you know oh, yeah couple weeks months and, and years so we're growing here as obviously if you want to uh, obviously, if you want to um, start a podcast, you want to do a YouTube channel, uh, you want to become a website writer, check us out. Send me a, um, an email at blackandgoldproductionsllc uh, at gmail.com. Uh, write, write a cover letter. Tell me your experience. Uh, we have creden- We have media credentials for the NHL, AHL, East Coast League, um, and we cover everything from the NHL down to the prospects worldwide. So if you're a prospect guru, if you're a history guru, if you like doing alumni events, come work with us. We'd love to have you. We have a really, we have a growing platform. We are a sports media company, so uh, we would love to have the new talent come through. Even college students, if you're looking for, if you can't afford a four or five hundred a year, a uh, dollar a year website, use our outlet. You know, come become an intern. We'd love to have you. We just, we're just content hounds, and and we love doing this. So. I mean, high school, I, I, I'm i amazed that my high school kids, you
1: know, I teach broadcasting at a tech school and I'm amazed that my kids, that can sit down and do a, a 45 minute podcast and they can write articles that are about, you know, about like K-pop and anime and all this other weird shit. I don't know anything about, but they can sit down and do it, you know? Um, and, you know, if you're one of those high school kids who just can't get enough, you know, maybe you want a little help on how to organize your thoughts and how to put it all together. To, you know, let me know. I literally yep. teach it. So I don't mind helping out um helping out in that form. Um there you go. So yeah, definitely definitely hit us up. Um do we do we have uh do you want to hit Patreon one more time here before we get out of here?
0: Yes, I we know, do. Um, we got to. Got to. We got to yeah. a big 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 episode. Episode 315, it is uh January 29th, 2023. So that is the end of the month. So our January giveaway of this Jerry is hand-signed jersey, fully authenticated from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Our boy, Bruce Sullivan, shout out, shout out, what up, what up? But this winner this month goes to Casey Bowman. Casey is a fantastic listener, longtime supporter, uh, listening out in California. So congratulations. I will be getting this out to you. And guess what, folks? With the 10 days that we have a break, I'm taking a break. So guess what? I'm going to actually be sending jerseys out finally. So I have dedicated enough time to get into the logistics of sending um, jerseys out. I got to get Hollis out. I got to get Michelle, my bell and, and obviously Casey's and Dale Lynn. So I have a lot to do, a lot of shipping to do. I did not forget you. I have all the items, but I do want to mention that next month for February, it's a Rick Middleton hand signed jersey, fully authenticated. This that is, is for 50. February, yeah, it is nice. I like the way you did. I like what you did there. And March, March is like an Irish month. You know what I mean? And when I think about Irish months, I think about big badass Irish men. You know where I'm going with this? Well, I did. I'm until you talked about you know, your love for big Irish men. Now, yeah, uh, no, yeah. I- Who is the biggest, baddest Irishman that ever donned the Boston Bruins jersey? Mark, I'm back. We got Mr. Terry O'Reilly. Terry O'Reilly, number 24, hand signed. It's a whiff on my part. uh, 2,095 PIMs, all inscribed. This is from Boston Sports and Music memorabilia, Bruce Sullivan. This is going to be for March. And I also have news that... I'm purchasing a Sean Thornton jersey and an Adam McQuaid jersey soon. So we're going to be keep giving these away every month. So all you got to do is sign up. That's $1 at patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. And we would certainly appreciate that and everything. All our financial supporters, we have over 60 of them. You guys are all amazing. And i glad to give shit away because you guys are awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I,
1: I was picturing a redheaded. I was like, who's the most redheaded Bruin? I can remember. I can think uh, of one, but John Winsink. Well, this was a lot of fun. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Of course, uh, Mark, it's always a pleasure to sit down and, and talk hockey with you. I, I'm really glad we got this going on. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And uh, again, we'll have the, uh, you know, even though we'll have the break, we'll still have other things going on. So make sure you keep in tune with us. Uh, we appreciate all the support. You can catch us on all the platforms. Uh, once once we're up, we're up. And you want to look at our, our goofy-ass faces, we'll be on YouTube and we'll, audio platforms as well, Spotify, Apple, everything else. Um, so we appreciate you guys tuning in and watching, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at black and gold pod at BNG productions at black and gold 277 and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official black and gold website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.